everyone, welcome back to a segment I call Chloe's Thoughts. I am Chloe. It's really cool to be here with you all today. So I follow a meditation practice that was designed by Dr. John Verveke, who's a cognitive scientist and cognitive psychologist. He teaches at the University of Toronto. His practice draws from both Buddhist and Taoist wisdom traditions, And the aim of the practice is to equip yourself with the tools necessary to overcome self-deception. This understanding that I am threatened at all times with the prospect of deceiving myself is one of Buddhism's central teachings and arguably what the Buddha meant when he said that all of life is suffering, which is to say that all of life is teeming with the possibility of self-deception. Dr. Verveke explores and expands on this in his YouTube series titled Awakening from the Meaning Crisis, which I highly, highly recommend. So how do you overcome self-deception? Honestly, giving you a full explanation is above my pay grade, but one of the aspects of self-deception that these meditation practices have helped me to realize has to do with the fact of my own inexhaustibility and of yours as well. What does it mean to be inexhaustible? This was a hard concept for me to grasp at first, at least as a pure proposition, but it basically means that we can always transcend to our higher, better selves. Even though you and I are finite, mortal beings, While we are alive, there is always the next horizon and the next horizon and the next horizon of being to which we can transcend. The late great author James Kars described this as an infinite game mentality. Unlike a finite game mentality where there is a fixed utopian point to which we are all trying to arrive, in an infinite game, the objective is to keep the game in play to keep going for the next horizon of transcendence and to ensure, as Walt Whitman put it, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. Now, many of our own wisdom traditions in the West speak to this acknowledgement of the inexhaustible nature of being human. Some theologians have argued that this is precisely what is meant by the book of Genesis's notion that man is made in the image of God. And Stoicism is another trend and Stoicism is another tradition that trains us in the ability of reframing our perspectives so we can see life's events, especially life's inevitable hardships, through different lenses. For example, I lost a grandmother a few years ago, and only recently have I felt the full weight of this loss. When I viewed it through a certain lens, the idea of death filled me up with a sense of overwhelming despair over the futility and seeming meaningless. When I viewed it through a certain lens, the idea of death filled me up with a sense of overwhelming despair over the futility and seeming meaninglessness of life. But, seeing it through a different lens, I realized that the fleeting nature of life is precisely what gives life meaning. It's what makes life precious. Existence itself 
would actually be pretty meaningless if it went on forever and ever into oblivion. Seeing a sunset or observing a flower, these are all fleeting, transient experiences. But it's precisely the transience that produces a kind of wonder in us. Reflecting on this, my sorrow over the loss of my grandmother transmuted into joy and gratitude for the time we got to spend together. The ability to experience this kind of perceptual jujitsu, one emotion transforming into another, points to the inexhaustibility inherent in what it means to be human. You can see this kind of contemplation in ancient Greek writing. Plato wrote how Socrates believed in the reality of pathos or sadness in the face of suffering, and how this pathos is common to all human beings. James Baldwin wrote about this when he said that you think your pain and your heartbreak are unprecedented in the history of the world, but then you read, it was books that taught me that the things that tormented me most were the very things that connected me with all the people who were alive, who had ever been alive. This poetic insight is important because it leads to empathy, which is a word that comes from the Greek word pathos. Empathy can give me a capacity to feel deeply into what someone else is feeling, even someone who is harming me in some way. And this is really important because if I can sense the deeper emotion that's motivating someone to do me harm, I can respond more holistically to that driver, not only as an individual, but as a citizen of a democracy voting on policies. And also, I won't fall into the paralyzing habit of defining myself exclusively in terms of my relationship to what this person has done to me. Like the label of victim versus victimizer, oppressor versus oppressed. This way of viewing myself in a relationship to someone else is a trap because I'll end up stereotyping that other person and also stereotyping myself. It's a form of co-identification that's a double bind and it perpetuates the illusion that we are not inexhaustible. One practice that Dr. Verveghi teaches in his meditation series is a questing practice where you're invited to ask yourself the question, who am I? For every answer that emerges from your consciousness, you respond simply by saying, thank you. And then you ask the question again, who am I? You'll discover that you are many things and that you play many roles. Perhaps you are a man and also a brother, a son, a husband, a teacher, a student, a car driver, a social media enthusiast, a dancer, and so on and so forth. You could spend the rest of your days asking yourself this question and never come to the end. And that's the point. That's what it means to be inexhaustible. Now, ever since I began this meditation practice, I started rethinking some of the relationships I have with others. I've thought about people on social media who I saw in the past as my ideological enemies. 
Many of you know how critical I've been of Dr. Ibram Kendi, for example. I think many of the ideas in his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, are superficial at best and harmful at worst. But I can hold those viewpoints about his ideas without allowing myself to see Ibram Kendi, the human being, as quote, the enemy or as quote, the victimizer. I can choose not to descend into a toxic co-identification loop with Dr. Kendi, even while I passionately protest his ideas. This is super important because I don't want to dehumanize those I disagree with. In fact, if I did that, I'd be dehumanizing myself. This was a crucial insight that many of the sages of the civil rights movement had and practiced in their nonviolent push for desegregation. They were adamant about spiritually resisting those who wanted to perpetuate racism without hating those same people. They understood that the potential for good and evil resided in every human being and that the people who touted racist ideas suffered from a pathology so deep and blinding that they were actually in need of empathy. And even though the people they were protesting had succumbed to evil, they too were capable of doing the same if they responded to baseless hatred with their own. In reading Dr. Kendi, I suspect he has been confronted by the fact of so much human suffering, particularly in African-American communities, that his solution is to try to create policies that would control and predetermine all outcomes. Such policy creation is impossible. The very nature of reality presupposes that one cannot control or determine outcomes. Attempting to do so would lead to frustration at best and a kind of tyranny at worst. This means that Dr. Kendi's vision of what it means to be anti-racist is itself impossible to bring into fruition. But I can still empathize with Dr. Kendi's sorrow from witnessing the painful historical legacy of slavery and racism and its contemporary consequences. And I can hold space for that pain and understand how it can motivate people to make poor choices while simultaneously advocating for better choices to be made in the future. Christian theologian Reinhold Niebuhr, who was a huge inspiration to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., put it this way. He said that the discovery of elements of common human frailty in the foe and concomitantly the appreciation of all human life as possessing transcendent worth creates attitudes which transcend social conflict and thus mitigates its cruelties. It binds human beings together by reminding them of the common roots and similar character of both their vices and their virtues. Another thing to keep in mind, this human frailty is in everyone. It's in me and it's in you. It's in that family member that you can't stand and that politician that you love so much. It's in the influencer you follow on TikTok 
and the anti-vaxxing aunt you're avoiding during the holidays. It's in everyone, regardless of their social status or level of prestige. You can even be in a position of power or extremely wealthy. It doesn't matter. All suffer from this human frailty. The very act of trying to climb a corporate ladder and make as much money as possible might even actually contribute to your experience of suffering. Because if it's your number one priority, you might actually start to feel atomized and unfulfilled. So it's super important not to conflate material wealth with existential happiness. In short, to resist another while still loving them, this is a very hard task and requires an almost zen-like way of being. And it also requires a recognition that the person who is attacking you is also an inexhaustible human being, just like you, ever capable of further transcending. As the psychologist Jordan Peterson once put it, I ought to treat another human being the way I want to be treated, not with the pity that undermines her self-respect and not with the justice that elevates me above her, but as a divinity heavily burdened who could yet see the light. If you enjoyed this, please be sure to let me know. You can also support this work by becoming a member of the website, subscribing to my YouTube channel, or following me on social media. As always, I'll see you wherever our paths cross. Ciao for now. Thank you.